0: hello everyone this is andre the co-founder of twins tours and travel in jerusalem in israel born into a christian Maronite family and i'm a licensed tour guide and an ordained minister of the gospel i have been leading numerous groups throughout the holy land for almost 20 years also i'm an author of several books and you can find them in amazon and one of the first books i wrote called one Friday in Jerusalem speaks about my life story so join me for a journey of 10 days to understand the heart and the mind of Jesus and to understand the Bible in a deeper way with more details through the Middle Eastern perspective please share this podcast with your friends and families and churches and connect with me if you have any questions Welcome back everyone today is day number two and the theme the story of the birth of Jesus and uh, there will be three podcasts and each podcast will be dedicated to one location during day number two we will visit Herodion and we're going to talk about Herodion National Park and we're going to talk about Herod the Great and uh, visiting the site and this will be one theme the other theme will be shepherds fields and will be another podcast after this one and we're going to speak about the sheep and the shepherds, the culture of the sheep and the culture of the shepherds and how the angels choose shepherds unimportant to announce for them about the birth of Christ and session number three. Podcast number three will be about Bethlehem and the Church of Nativity and visiting this one of the most important traditional churches in the world. And we're going to learn about Jesus through the Middle Eastern eyes and his birth. As you remember, the group arrived yesterday from the airport and checked one night in the hotel. And I told them wake up call is at 6 and by the way, they'll be awake even earlier and breakfast at 7 and we are leaving for our day day number two at eight o'clock in the morning. And I am at the breakfast room of the hotel. The breakfast food in Bethlehem is really delicious. It's a Middle Eastern, uh, it's a Mediterranean uh, diet, and the breakfast is like really, really full of a lot of bread, pita bread, dips, soft cheese, and a lot of olive oil, olives, cucumbers, yogurt, Seasonal vegetables and quality meat and fish, buns, nuts, jellies, raw fish, red and green apples, grapes, peaches, pears, melons, (laughs) apricots, nectarines, salads, and a lot of pastries, but not good coffee. The coffee is not really good. So I'm enjoying my breakfast before I start my day and I will meet everyone at 8 o'clock in the morning in the bus. Hopefully that everyone is sharp on time. usually there's one or two that don't come on time but that's fine because it's the first day and usually people get delayed the first day because they are just jet lagged and walking slower so really i understand and i'm very sensitive about it and today our adventure will be going to the Herodion national site everyone now is inside the bus and seated and we are ready to drive to Herodion. I hold the microphone and I tell everyone good morning with a big smile on my face and I ask them how do you feel today I hope you managed to get some sleep and I'm aware that not all of you did have a great sleep but because you've been jet lagged but this is very 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 like uh, easy day we're gonna have and I get them to be excited and I'm always positive with them and I will tell them you look (laughs) way much better than yesterday and i am happy to see your smiling faces please remember to keep your smiles to the end of these 10 days and by the way all the members of the group are really excited even if they didn't have much sleep and still recovering from a long flight but they are so happy to be in the holy land so i remind them what we need for that day we need their cameras we need from them to bring the hats and because it's summer and we need from them to drink a lot of water to get over jet lag and not be dehydrated because today we're gonna do a lot of walking at the Herodian National Park Then after visiting Herodian we're gonna go to the shepherd fields and learn about the sheep and the shepherd culture and after that we're gonna go to the Nativity Church and then end our day and go back to the hotel so this is just to give you an idea what to expect for today so our drive from the hotel to the Herodion national park is around 30 minutes and i make sure that everyone have their radio guide system the whispers and i will test the whispers first thing in the morning in the bus and I, during the drive i will be starting to teach about Herod the Great, and give an idea and a background of Herodian. I remind also the group to be organized. Really, they have to function as a group and not to function as individual. And in my mindset, in my mind eyes, and from my long experience, it's very hard for people to function as a community or as a group together. Everyone functions individual but i will try to help them to function as a community and to care about each others because they are outside their comfort zone and teamwork we need teamwork from the tour guide teamwork from the bus driver from the tour leader and every individual participant in this tour and i will tell them i've been in all these places so many times and i do not want you to miss any site and if you are all on time and you are sharp and listen i promise you to add more things to visit and this way i encourage them just to be on time all the time hopefully i will give them like uh, 10 minutes uh, break for them just to chat and talk with each others and say hi and they like to talk and i'll give them their space and after 10 minutes I will hold the microphone and start teaching in the bus about Herod the Great. And I tell them, let us talk about Herod's family. Herod was born around 73 BCE. Herod was the son of Antipater who was from Edom. Edom, by the way, is south of Bethlehem. And Herod was made king by the Romans in 40 BC. And he managed to keep and hold his throne in the face of many changes and many challenges And he was able to put off all the riots in the land here, in the Judean wilderness and in the land of uh, Edom. And this is what Rome loved, someone that keep riots down and bring them the taxes. And by the way, he is the same Herod the Bible mentions about killing the children in Bethlehem. Remember that story? So everyone can connect with, with Herod, Herod the Great. We will talk now how Herod came to rule. Actually, Herod's father, we mentioned his name earlier, Antipater, held prominent political offices in Judea and established close relationships with the Roman Empire. And in 47 BC, when the Roman Emperor Julius Caesar, by the way, Julius Caesar ruled from 100 to 44 BC, when he was in ruling the area of uh, Palestine he seems to have entrusted Herod's father Antipater to have the civil government and Antipater named his eldest son Fasael in 46 BC Herod was appointed the governor of Syria and Samaria by Caesar himself but with the death of Caesar and the arrival of the new emperor Cassius we are talking about uh, around 42 BC Herod quickly dismissed his loyalty to Caesar and won Cassius favor he also married uh, his wife called Mariamne, from the Hasmonean dynasty which we're going to learn a lot about the Hasmoneans the Hasmoneans are the Maccabees who ruled here from 167 BCE to 67 BCE almost for 100 years and Herod the Great in order to make connections and relationships he got one of his wives from the Hasmoneans you know the name of the Hasmoneans by Maccabees they are the same people the Maccabees and by the way after Herod married Has- his wife uh, Mariamne from the Hasmonean dynasty she was almost thinking to take his throne from him and during Herod's visit uh, one of his visits to Rome she made a plot against him and he received the news and he killed her and he placed her in a glass box full of honey to preserve her skin but this is by the way an ancient way to preserve people by putting them in honey and because she was so beautiful and he knew he will miss her a lot in the future he just placed her in that Box of honey, and he will continue to tell her, "I love you, honey." He wanted something. <laughs> he just wanted, just to. He was, by the way, very narcissistic, and it's all about him. And he was like bipolar, and all all these sicknesses and diseases inherited the great. So he was thinking himself like God, like a Roman, and so he loved his wife to death. Herod the Great had a huge kingdom. It was comprised from Judea to Samaria, Galilee, Udumea, and Perea. Perea is like Petra, and that is east of, of uh, Bethlehem. And which was approximately the same size of the kingdom of David and Solomon. And by the way, Herod the Great forced so many heavy taxes, and he was very brutal, and He was like businessman number one in the first century and he collected really a lot of money from the people and he built seven fortresses in the Holy Land and one of these fortresses we are going to visit called Herodion which we are on our way to see it. Another one out the north of the desert called Agrippina probably with the crusaders built the fortress called Belvoir if you know about it and another one called Alexandrion on the mountain of Sartaba, which is in West Bank, Nablus, and another one called Dukas, the Mount nearby the Mount of Temptation in Jericho, and that was the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. And we have then Thrax and Cyprus, these are two fortresses at the entrance of, uh, actually by the end of what they killed uh, nearby Jericho. And then we have Hyrcania in the Judean desert, and we have Macarius also in the south of the Dead sea actually it's in jordan where john the baptist was beheaded and the last one the seventh one that everyone knows about is masada masada that every group have to come and visit this fortress which we're gonna learn about it later but herodian was so much special to him it was one of his personal favorite places let me tell you the story why Herodion is Herod's favorite place. In 40 BC, the Parthians Empire, you know what are the Parthians? They are the Persia, the big Persian Empire, conquered Judea. And Herod had to fled from Jerusalem with 5,000 of his men, including his family, under cover at night. And while fleeing and running away, his mother chariot overturned and trapped her underneath and like a miracle took place and his mother was not affected at all and he was so happy and he declared his gratitude to the gods and he decided to one day to be buried at the very same location where his mom left where the chariots has flipped upside down so herodian was built between 23 and 20 bc and it was divided into two sections, the upper Herodion, which contained the palace and with a semicircular fortress, an artificial cone-shaped mountain, and the lower Herodion at the base of the mountain, which consisted of numerous palaces together for the king's family and his friends, and his central offices of the district capital of Edom. We are arriving to Herodion, and almost we're gonna uh, be there in 10 minutes but me holding the microphone and teaching i will point for them to see the mountain from far and the mountain is like a volcano that is cut from the top and if they look to the left side they see another mountain that are cut from the bottom and i show them how herod the great has moved the mountain from the left side to the right side and build an artificial fortress inside it and by the way when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives which is not far from here and when he was looking south to Bethlehem you can see Herodian and until today if you are standing at the Mount of Olives and you look all the way south towards Bethlehem you're going to see Herodian and Jesus was saying this famous sentence in Matthew 17 20 he replied because you have so little faith Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a master seed, you can say to this mountain. What mountain Jesus is talking about? Herodion. Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And this is amazing. Like you can see what Jesus was talking about. It's about Herodion. And if Herod the Great can move mountains and he is even not faithful. How about you faithful people? you can move mountains we are arriving to a roundabout and we're gonna take the left side and drive all the way up and on our way i will point for the group the lower herodian that was built uh, a large roman style garden surrounded by columns and There was a very, very huge large pool, like 70 times 45 meters used for swimming, boating and like a reservoir and many of the palace surrounded the gardens. And this is like Herod showing off whenever he have an important person to come and visit him. This is where they stay at the palace annex south of Herodion Down. Now we are driving all the way up the mountain to reach the parking lot. And before we reach the parking lot, I will advise and encourage the group to use the toilets because it's important, important, important. And there are so many toilets stopped during the day, but it's so much important to use the toilets because we're gonna spend around minimum 45 minutes to one hour in this site, and there is no toilets at the top of the mountain then I will use my time to go and pay for the entrance fees and ask the people who are working at the park to prepare for me the movie and there is a movie I recommend it so much it's really a very nice introduction about the story of the desert fortress of Herodion and after the group watches the movie I will take the group to see a model and explain about this desert fortress explain more about This Basically I will repeat the main points again of what I shared in the bus. and many times it's very important to share things twice because not many will pay attention to the information and especially that's the first day and everyone is really really tired but they are so excited and very happy. Usually I like to do this fortress different than other groups and other tool guides. When every group arrive to Herodion, they go all the way and walk the steps all the way to the top of the fortress and then starting to explain about the fortress from the top. What I do, I will not do the norm because I'm weird. I'm going to take the road to the left side and there is a pathway from the left side that if you continue through that, you're going to see the tomb of Herod the Great. So this is what I love to do first, to take them to see the tomb. It is like a secondary pathway that we will walk for like five minutes that will lead us to another hidden entrance through two huge water cisterns inside the mountain fortress. And there, like the road will split to the left side, and I will give some time for people who like to walk all the way up to the steps to see a reconstruction of Herod's tomb. Of course, the original one has been destroyed completely but the original one is into a lot of uh, parchments and it's uh, preserved in the Israel Museum and which we will visit later the Israel Museum and that's only is a replica what they're gonna see usually the young ones will go up because it's a lot of steps and the rest of the people including me will be staying inside one of these two sisters Historians and archaeologists believe that Herod was buried close to the hilltop of this fortress. A very famous archaeologist by the name Ehud Netzer, Ehud Netzer, he is number one who knows about Herod the Great. He dedicated his life just to study about Herod, and and he just located and he found the tomb of Herod, and became big things in the news. But The day that Professor Ehud Netzer found the tomb was the day he died. He was in his 80s and he was standing on the wooden scarf and when he found it and the news was spread around, the wooden scarf broke and he fell back and he died. And most of the archaeologists saying this is the curse of Herod. Sadly, sadly, this Professor Ehud Netzer was number one in the world that tones about Herod the Great, but because of him, we were able to locate that tomb. When they found the sarcophagus, it was so much really made in a fancy way, and the quality of that sarcophagus can go to another king than Herod the Great. But there were no signs or bones at the sides, and the sarcophagus, has been deliberately destroyed completely and looted. And many people believe that it was destroyed by the Jews and the Jewish rebellion against Rome with the zealots who have hated Herod the Great completely. And after his death, the zealots went and lived inside that mountain fortress to have protection from Rome. I'm talking about 66 AD. Now, all the group is meeting together inside the water cistern and the water supply of this fortress was based uh, primarily on recollection of the rainwater falling on this hill and this was stored in various water cisterns and the water cisterns are really huge and They are big in size and you are in the desert and Herod the Great wanted to control everything and he wanted to control even the sources of water and this is why he built huge two like big cisterns and we are inside one of them. Imagine that was all, all fortified, all was protected and water is so much important. When we speak about any fortress, there are two important things. Number one is water and number two is security, so this is why they had abundance of water in each fortress, and of course security, this fortress is very highly secured, and from these water systems, there is hidden pathways from the center of the fortress that we're going to go, and through high steps, all the way up to enter the the main courtyard of the fortress, let's go, Now the group is walking through the hidden hallways inside the fortress climbing for like 15 minutes. A lot of high steps all man-made inside the mountain fortress. And that eventually will lead us to the entrance area of Herodion, the main place. Remember I told you all groups will go through the main entrance where they go up and they look at the courtyard. This is where we will start our tour at the entrance of the courtyard of course we will go with the group slowly because there are high steps here and uh, it's really really need uh, some people to be in shape to be able to attend all these steps and by the group when everyone is in the center of the courtyard i will give them like 10 minutes break to hold their breath look around you look at the huge tower to the right side and there is four of them and we are in the center of a huge building that is well fortified and this is where Herod the Great has built his hidden palace filled with lush gardens imagine around you a lot of apartments and heavily fortified ramparts and this is what we call the Upper rodion. we see at the center of the palace fortress a courtyard Forty-one meters times eighteen meter, and that was the location of the garden. Very beautiful, vibrant ornamental garden in the midst of the desert. To the right side, you see the bathhouse with a large calidarium, which is the hot room, and another smaller frigidarium, which is the cold room. And this is typically. To the architect of the romans so even herod the great has his own bathhouse at the central courtyard in the garden of his hidden fortress until today you will see various fragments of the splendid frescoes what was decorated inside that room and it's around four meters in diameter and full full of decorations with a dome in the top as you see to the left side also you're gonna see a large room that was one of the rooms that Herod used for his administrative and where he met his guests but later on when the zealots came and conquered the fortress during the first jewish revolt 66 a.d they had used that room to be the main synagogue where they are staying and hiding from the romans and of course you look to the left side you're gonna see a mikveh a ritual bath by the way they diverted the water that went to the bathhouse all the way to the ritual bath and it was used by the zealots for their religious purposes I will give the group another like 10 minutes to go around and to take pictures and I tell them we will go up through the ramp and to our right side and we're gonna go and meet at 10 minutes at the top with the best views of Bethlehem and Jerusalem from here we can see the Bible coming and if you look at all the way all the way to the far horizon you're gonna see a mountain ridge and this mountain ridge have three peaks by the way this is Jerusalem this is the Mount of Olives and this is the location of Herod's palace and this is where the magi's first went to see and met Herod and asked about the newly born king and Herod said I don't know this king and the magi's walked all the way from the Mount of Olives and traveled from, to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem all the way to Bethlehem to meet with the newborn baby and suddenly for the group when they see it it's become a real story and it's become like a life because now they can put into perspective the distances between Jerusalem and Bethlehem and it's only like seven miles Then I will tell the group to sit down and to have a place and I'm going to start to teach and do a comparison between Herod and Jesus from the top of this fortress because we can see both Jerusalem and we can see Bethlehem. Herod the Great was the ultimate self-centered earthly king. He sat at the pinnacle of power. It's all about him his name even says Herod the Great and he was the descendant of Esau as the New Testament tell us which is the area of Edom, Edomian of Edomian kingdom Herod lived only for Herod he would soon slaughter the babies of Bethlehem because he said I am the only king and no one can be other king than me but If you look about Jesus, Jesus was the king that was really like the king of kings. He was the one who created the universe. And he was the heir to David's throne. He was the supreme king over all the kingdoms. But he did not look like a king. He did not look like Herod at all. It was not about him. When he was born, he was wrapped in a humble clothing. And when he was living on earth, he was rejected from people. By bringing Jesus and King Herod together at the same time in history, God reveals that he uses what seems to be weak to accomplish his purposes. It's not about your right or not about power. It's about being humble. And he uses people who appear to be weak to overcome kings it's an upside down kingdom which we're gonna talk about despite herod looked so much powerful god's power was stronger than herod what is done for god and his kingdom has lasting values and look around you whatever herod has built has been destroyed whatever jesus god has built is still alive till today remember Herod had built glorious buildings of marble and other stones to honor himself and maintain good relationship with Rome you know Jesus died in agony on the cross to remove the sins of mankind he died in agony Herod hated he was hated by his own family even by his even his own sons and everyone hated him But when you remember Jesus, he was loved by everyone. Because Jesus gave his life and ministry as a sacrifice on behalf of all the people. But Herod, the opposite thing, Herod's life was revolved around sacrificing others in order to bring glory and honor to himself. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which we just see from here. While Herod was born in Edom, also you can see from here, south and jesus the messiah was sinless herod the king was so cruel herod's earthly power was so huge but stored no treasures in the kingdom of heaven herod's glory and strength were all forgotten few people remember the accomplishment of this proud king he is only remembered as a paneroid cruel man children. With Jesus, he impacted millions of people throughout the world. Even non-Christians have heard about his life and death. Today, his followers, we, are studying his words and seeking to follow the humble example of this king. Then I challenged the group and tell them, do you want to be like Herod? Do you want to live in the world and to gather things for yourself, build houses? and own cars nothing wrong about that but does this control your life like herod was controlled by all these magnificent buildings because he wanted to be remembered or you are building for the kingdom of heaven the unseen then i give them some another 10 minutes to go around at the top of the fortress and take uh, a lot of pictures because from the top they can see even all the way from the south and east the area of the Dead Sea and the Judean Wilderness and the Judean Desert and from the same point at Herodion at the top they can see Jerusalem have such great views and I tell them we will meet back in 15 minutes. We are coming down from the normal ramp and we are descending back to the main entrance of this site and by the way we will be finishing the tour I will send the group also again to the toilets nearby the parking lot and I will tell them just it's a must again to use the toilets and we will meet inside the bus. Now I am inside the bus and I look at their faces and they are so happy because and excited because they have been finally visited Herodium Park and learned about Herod the Great. Then I will tell them we have another 15 to 20 minutes drive to the shepherd fields in Beit Sahur village. That will be our next stop and we're going to learn about the sheep and the shepherd culture and this will be the second session of day number one. I hope you enjoyed this virtual tour The Fortress of Herodion and please share this podcast with your friends and many people and this is like a dream for so many people, they are not able to come and visit the Holy Land for so many reasons, and now I am bringing the Holy Land to their houses through this podcast. So I hope you enjoy it.